Welcome to the Balance and Blossom podcast. Your host, Meg, uses her knowledge and experience with mental health, yoga, and meditation to support you in balancing your life. Through vulnerable, candid conversations, join Meg each week to discuss all topics related to mind, body, and soul with special guest episodes to dive deep and learn more. It's time to balance and blossom into the most authentic version of you. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. And if you listened to last week's episode, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you enjoyed it, please share it with someone. Um, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And let's get right into today's topic and today's episode. How to help your anxiety so it doesn't hinder you. So the other day, I came home in the morning. I was walking home from my partner's house. And when I got here, out of nowhere, I realized that I haven't experienced anxiety or really been hindered by my anxiety in a long time now. I remembered that I used to be fueled by my anxiety. I used to be bombarded, like overwhelmed by my anxiety. And I realized how far I've come. I realized that it's not a daily occurrence for me to be filled with anxiety anymore. And now I'm not saying... I'm great and I cured my anxiety and I healed my anxiety. That's not it at all. I don't have the magic answer or the key to anything. I simply wanted to share a little bit more about my journey with anxiety. And I talked a little bit about it in our first episode. And so when I had realized that my anxiety was no longer controlling my life and I was able to control my anxiety, I knew right away that I had to share. I knew I had to talk about this and share what has helped me in order to help you. So first I wanted to kind of touch on what is the definition of anxiety. And I mean, what I remember from school is that it's a future-oriented mood state, right? It's characterized by this excessive worry, nervousness, overthinking. And it's all to do with a future-oriented situation or scenario. It's not within the present moment, although it affects you within the present moment. I'm not denying that. 
when we think of anxiety, it's due to thinking about something that's going to happen in the future or potentially happen in the future. So that's kind of like what I remember from school and what I remember learning about anxiety. Um, nowadays, anxiety is just something I just, I know. It's it's kind of hard to explain. I just know what it is. And, and it's probably because of my work and working with clients who experience this. So, and my own journey. Um So let's get right into my own experiences with anxiety. So as I was thinking of this episode and what I wanted to say, I remembered a time from my childhood. I was like pre-teens, maybe around like the ages of like 10 to 13. I don't really remember. Um, If you listen to my first episode, you'll know that (laughs) I have a hard time remembering uh, those earlier years of my life. And part of that is a coping mechanism. It's uh, my brain's way of keeping me safe. And I know that. Um, But that's besides the point. So I just remember being at an amusement park. Um, One of my favorite amusement parks. It was such a family favorite. Uh, We would go to Darien Lake every year, like every summer. And I remember being on this one ride. We were just like getting seated in the ride. And they had put those straps like over my shoulders and over my chest. And they had pushed down you know, on those roller coasters and they push it down and then they lift it up to make sure that it's locked. Well, sometimes they push down too hard. And this is what happened to me. I was sitting beside my dad in the seat and I just remember not being able to breathe. And I told my dad and we tried to flag the workers down. We tried to get them to stop and they wouldn't stop the ride. I don't remember much of what happened after that. I know that I was scared. I know that I felt like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't catch my breath. And then I was probably sent into a whole bunch of adrenaline and all that good stuff from the roller coaster. So I do remember it being a significant part in feeling scared and feeling quite terrified of not being able to catch my breath and feeling like I couldn't breathe. And then fast forward to a couple of years ago, again, the start of my healing journey, I started to realize that I was experiencing anxiety. Although my anxiety didn't look like the typical DSM-5 diagnosis of anxiety. It didn't look like what anxiety was on paper, or at least what I knew about anxiety. My anxiety was really a lot of irritability, uneasiness, a lot of daydreaming and spending time in my mind. And 
that's not to say that daydreaming isn't or is a bad thing. Um, however, when you're spending all of your time in your mind dreaming about the future or thinking about the future and never spending any time in the present, for me, that led to anxiety, always playing out these future scenarios in my head. How would this happen? What would this person say? What would this look like? All that good stuff. And I guess two years ago, I realized that I was experiencing anxiety and it was valid in the sense that it might have looked different than what traditional anxiety disorders looked like or what they looked like on paper. But I never considered it to be an issue until last year. So the world got shut down and my way of coping was smoking marijuana. This was a new habit for me to pick up. I was not used to smoking marijuana because it made me feel out of control and I didn't like that sense of being out of control for it would make me experience more anxiety. And it's kind of funny that somehow I forgot all of that and decided to continue to indulge in smoking pot. So it started out as like a recreational on the weekends, just having fun, you know, and this is somewhat a story for another time, but it really began to affect my anxiety. Smoking marijuana really sent me headfirst into a spiral. There were many times when I would get high and be consumed by my thoughts. And it would be way too anxiety provoking. But little did I know at the time that it was trickling into my everyday life. I was also starting a new relationship and relationship anxiety is so real, especially when the person or the relationship is different than your last. There's a lot of baggage that you carry from your previous relationships. And so a lot of anxiety can come up within that. And again, the marijuana and the relationship stuff, that's all for another time. But really my anxiety was starting to take control of my life. And it was about October of last year. So October of 2020 and my boyfriend and I were having a conversation and I don't remember about what, but he looked at me and I remember this so 
clearly that he had said, your anxiety is getting the best of you. It hit me like a stone fucking wall. (laughs) So if my anxiety is getting the best of me, then what's left? If my best self is always hindered by my anxiety, then what self am I showing up as? I must not be a good version of myself. I realized in that moment that I needed to do something to work on healing my anxiety because I didn't want to be someone who was living a life that was controlled and fueled by anxiety. And anxiety comes in all different shapes and forms. And like I said before, a lot of mine came with this irritability, this restlessness, this perfectionism, this overthinking. And so although I was still able to function within my day-to-day life, uh, I really didn't want to continue living that way. I didn't want to be someone who was anxious or was experiencing anxiety. I didn't want that to be taking control, and it was. So that next morning... I said, okay, it's time to start doing things that are going to help me feel better and going to help control my anxiety so that it doesn't control my life. So that's been my experience so far. And I want to break it down into a few tips and tools that have helped me along the way. So the first thing, probably the biggest thing, and I learned this a little while ago, again, maybe about two years ago when I when I really started my healing journey, maybe even before that, uh, the first thing is honoring your emotions. So if you're anything like me, when an emotion comes up that feels big and scary, you might tend to run away from that emotion. You might tend to avoid that emotion. You might want to numb yourself in order to cope with that emotion that's coming up. And unfortunately... This is not a long-term solution for handling your emotions. And what I've learned over the last little bit is that emotions are simply energy in motion. So although they might feel big and scary at times or in the moment, it's energy. 
It's moving within you. It's passing through you, which means eventually it will leave you if you let it. It's when the emotions get stuck within us is when the issues come up. So how do we start honoring our emotions? Well, we got to stop avoiding. We got to stop pretending that we're fine all the time. This is for the women that are always saying, yeah, no, I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. Oh, I had a good day. You know, cut it out. right now. You got to stop avoiding what you're truly feeling, what is truly on your heart, whether it's happiness, whether it's joy, whether it's sadness, grief, fear, anything, let it out. Don't avoid it. Don't hide from it. And the other part of that is when we recognize our emotions. So when we want to honor our emotions, we first want to, let's break this down. We first want to recognize what is the emotion coming up, right? We label it and then we process it. We sit with it, even if it's uncomfortable and then we let it go. So again, we're not avoiding what's coming up in our heart space. We're not avoiding what we're feeling and we're not numbing ourselves like through marijuana or through alcohol, right? You know what I hear all the time and what I used to say all the time? I'm stressed. I need a glass of wine. And I'm sorry if that makes you feel uncomfortable or if that hits a little too close to home for you, but it's true. When we are feeling any emotion, we tend to numb ourselves through substances, through social media, through sex, through movies, TV, anything. So really, learning what is your coping skill, what is the thing that you turn to, and how can you work through it to get to a place where you can honor your emotions. So recognize what's coming up, label it, process it, sit with it, and then release it, right? And so then when you are feeling these emotions come up, you're able to say, you know, I'm really feeling sad today, so I'm going to do what's in my best interest. I'm going to honor this sadness and I'm just going to let it be until it's ready to pass or whatever it is, whatever it is that you tell yourself, just as long as we're not avoiding or numbing. Because when we do those things, like I said, it's the energy The emotion, it stays in you and it causes anxiety, causes depression, causes whatever it is for you, right? It's a buildup and it usually doesn't end well. So number two, this is the second biggest thing that has helped me control my anxiety and it is meditating every single day. I decided eight months ago 
I wanted to be someone who meditated every single day because I knew that the experiences of meditating were so powerful, were so valuable, and helped my anxiety so much that I was going to commit and dedicate each and every morning to meditating. Just waking up and taking a few minutes to breathe, connect with myself, connect with my heart, connect with my emotions, what am I feeling that day, has honestly made the tremendous, like the most amount of difference in my anxiety. Number three is challenging my anxious thoughts. So within our anxious thoughts or within the anxiety, there might be some truth and there might not be some truth. And so this takes a little bit of work being able to challenge what's coming up and to really look at it from an objective point, from a a rational point right? Because sometimes the anxiety is rooted in that emotional mind. And we really need to step back and look at it from a rational point or whatever the anxiety is rooted in. We need to look at it from an objective point and challenge it. So am I really really nervous about teaching this yoga class because I feel incapable in my skills and my knowledge or am I really nervous about teaching this class because there's a lot of people that are going to be here and I don't want to mess up because I care a lot about it, right? So taking the time to Look at the other point of view when our anxious thoughts come up. Number four. Oh, this one, journaling. So I didn't mention this before, but I used to have the hardest time falling asleep at night. I would lay awake for probably an hour after I put my phone away. This was a while ago. And I would lay there going over every single thing I had to do, every single interaction, encounter, thought, experience that I had that day or that was coming up. And I would send myself into a state of being completely alert and conscious. I would have to tell myself, it's okay, Meg, you can turn your brain off for the night, you have all day tomorrow to think. You have all day tomorrow to go over this or think about this. It's time to turn your brain off and go to bed. Because it was anxiety showing up before bed. And there were some other things, of course, mixed in there. But number four is journaling before bed. Doing a little brain dump taking the time to write out everything that's on your mind, everything that's in your brain, getting it all out and onto paper, taking those five minutes, 
even putting it into a, a notes uh, on your phone, putting it on the notes app, just taking a moment to get everything out of your mind and into the world, it takes the power away. It takes the power away and it's out into the world and it no longer needs to consume you. So journaling before bed, so helpful. Journaling any time of the day is so helpful, specifically when you're experiencing anxiety or just in general. Number five, I did mention this a little bit earlier, but labeling it, labeling your anxiety. So once you're able to identify what does your anxiety sound like, then you label it. So maybe give it a name, give that anxious self a name. So that version of you that shows up when you're feeling extremely anxious, label it. So that when it does come up, you can say, my anxiety is showing up or an anxious thought is showing up. Or if you give it a name, you can say that name is showing up and saying this, this, and this. Again, it takes the power away. It creates space between you at the core and your anxiety. So you no longer need to identify with it because once you label it, you're separate from it. You don't have to be one with the anxiety. You don't have to be the anxiety. Number six, presence. Being present and coming back to the present moment as often as possible. Again, this one somewhat coincides with the meditating, but you don't have to meditate to bring yourself back to the present moment. This is more of a mindfulness practice. It's taking the time to come back to the here and now. Remember what is your present situation, right? And is your anxiety rooted in the future? Are you overthinking about something that hasn't happened yet? And can you bring yourself back to the here and now? Focus on the present. Calm yourself down. Use whatever coping skill you use to calm yourself down. Might be a grounding technique. It might be a meditation technique. For myself, I'm always checking in. I'm always checking in with my level of presence, my level of awareness, my level of mindfulness throughout the day. There's apps out there that send you reminders, even using one of those, right? Just remembering that anxiety is a future-oriented mood state. So if you can bring yourself back to the present moment, focus on labeling it, identifying it, releasing it, honoring the emotion that's underneath the surface. I swear it'll help. Okay. And last but not least, number seven, 
talking it out, talking it out with a therapist, with your mom, with your dad, with any of your family members, with your friends, whoever you love and trust, whoever you have in your support system. Talk it out with them. If you're able to recognize that you are feeling anxious, send them a message, call them, ask them, do they have the time and space to support you while you work through your anxiety right now? And sometimes we don't always start the conversation that way. Sometimes we don't always say, hey, look, I'm feeling really anxious. Can you help me talk through this? But whoever you have in your support system, even your therapist, whoever you feel comfortable to talk about your anxiety with, then do it. Because again, once you put it out there in the world, once you get it out of your mind, it becomes so much less scary. It, it's not as big. It doesn't consume you as much. You take its power away when you get it outside of you, when you get it out, when you release it. And these are just some, some tools some tips that work. There are many, many, many tools and coping skills out there to help anxiety. You have to find what works for you. So take what works for you, whatever I've said, take what resonates and leave the rest for someone else. Because not everything's going to work for you and that's okay. It's a trial and error process. It's long sometimes and it's frustrating, but it's not impossible. There are a lot of tools that I didn't mention that also help with anxiety, such as medication, such as psychiatric help. And I'm not discrediting those at all, but this is what has worked for myself and this is what I wanted to share with you. And yes, the mind is powerful, but so are you. So I hope that this resonated with you. I hope that this helped in some sense. Let me know which one of these you've tried, which one of these you use. I would love to hear from you. And I will see you in the next episode. Sending you so much love. Bye.